Welcome to the Stories in Our Roots podcast. I'm your host, Heather Murphy. In this podcast, we dive deep into how knowing the stories of our ancestors can make a difference in our lives today. Discovering our family history is more than a hobby. It is a way to connect deeply with ourselves, those we love, and the world around us. Hello, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I am looking forward to sharing with you the stories given by Amanda Arthur. We talked about how our family history provides threads of connection. And those threads of connection, even though if they're so thin, can connect us to people, places, and experiences that we wouldn't have had a connection to otherwise, that we can connect to people who have different experiences as part of someone of a different race, or events in history that we've never experienced ourselves. It's through our family history that we gain a stronger connection to the world and people around us. Amanda Arthur is the founder of Cool Girl's Guide to Genealogy, a blog about the cooler side of genealogy. After starting her genealogy journey in high school, Amanda realized that she was younger than many of her colleagues and wanted to show others that history and research is not as stuffy as some may think. By using baking, traveling, and other interactive ideas, Amanda wants to show that researching is not just something to be done in libraries. Family history is a living, breathing adventure that can show we are all not that different and that we have much more in common than we might think. And I completely agree with that, Amanda. And so here is the interview with Amanda Arthur. Today I am here with Amanda Arthur and and I'm pleased to have her here and share her experiences with her family history. Amanda, could you start by introducing yourself, please? My name is Amanda, and I am a blogger, genealogist at Cool Girl Genealogy. It's kind of the blog that that genealogy isn't just for older people, you know, young generations, and how cool it is, hence the name. So, I, you know, that's, that's me in a nutshell. I just try to use different aspects of history, like baking and food and traveling and stuff like that to show how cool genealogy is. So how did you start becoming interested in learning about your family history? My mom was the family genealogist back before there was ancestry and all the online resources that we have now. And she used to drag me when I was in high school to the archives on the weekends. And she would cut a deal. Hey, you know, this Saturday, come with me and do research next weekend you go hang out with your friends we kind of had this deal going back and forth and I, I absolutely hated it I hated doing the research I hated sitting there indoors for a weekend and miserable and then somewhere along the line I looked past the dates and stuff like that started like reading newspapers and getting the stories of ancestors and I was like this is kind of cool like these people are real people before it was just dates and names and didn't really mean anything to me but then once I started like learning who they were it started clicking and I just was, it stuck with me since then. Like after that, I kept asking when we're going, where are we going next? Our vacations turned into research vacations. It was just, I was hooked and I've been doing it ever since. Do you remember one of those initial stories or initial ancestors that were one of those that caught your attention? I do. And it's kind of a funny story. We were affected and Gilmore Girls was huge. And if you know anything about Gilmore Girls, you know, they were in the, Emily was in the Daughters of the American Revolution. So I kind of got in my head, well, if I'm going to do this, you know, I want to 
show something for it. So I talked my mom into let's start looking for revolutionary ancestors. And we found one. His name's John Raccoon Miller. And he's from the Knoxville area, East Tennessee. And I started hearing his stories. Like he fought in the Revolutionary War. He was in the North Carolina militia. And he was captain and, and led his militia into battle at the Battle of Kings Mountain. And what he did there, and he was friends with John Sevier, who eventually became governor of Tennessee. And then once the war was over, he was still popping up in newspapers. He grew silkworms that like nobody did that in Tennessee. Like, and even the newspaper article said, don't know how this happened, but this is what he does. And just like little stories like that, I was like, this man is fascinating. And he was definitely one of those type of people that like to dabble with everything. And I started to see myself in that. Like I am very much notorious for all the hobbies since they're just one hobby. It's like, oh, I'll try that. Okay, I'll try that. And that was me. I could see myself in him. So it was that I like to call him a gateway ancestor. He was the one that got me hooked. Good. What are some other experiences that you've had with different ancestors as you've learned about them? Back to just my Tennessee ancestors. I'm originally from Michigan. I was born in Michigan and moved to Tennessee when I was 11. And that was, I don't want to date myself, but it was Mm -hmm. early (laughs) nineties. And so and then I moved to a really small town in Tennessee. Like it was the two stoplight town. Everybody that lived there was from there, grew up there. Their ancestors were from there. So I was like, who's this outsider? Well, I started, you know, with Raccoon, John Miller, and then my other ancestors from Tennessee, they kind of gave me, it's like, I have roots here. I may not have been born here, but I have the roots that I'm just as much of a Tennessean as all these people I was going to school with. You know, they didn't care about the history. They didn't care about that, but it just kind of, and gave me a little bit of confidence knowing that, you know, my family helped found this state. I mean, they were here back in the 1700s. They, I have deep roots in Tennessee. I'm as much of a Tennessean as anybody else. So it's kind of neat to hear those stories of, you know, when they founded the state and see those documents and you have like that concrete piece of yourself that shows, you know, this is, this is my roots. This is where I'm from. You know, all my traditions were Southern. My whole family's from mm-hmm. the South. We just randomly was <laughs> in Michigan. And so it just kind of gave me that little extra, the confidence that I needed to, to make friends and like feel like I fit in. Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like you've used your personal history to connect with the state and other history that was going on there within Tess- Tennessee to give you more of a sense of place and belonging. Exactly. I mean, it was just, it was one of those things, like I always knew that my family is from the South. I always, you know, that's just what we were. We, we, my great grandparents lived in Kentucky. So that's where we always went on holidays, but it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we're from the South, whatever. But when I finally started digging into the people that lived, you know, that found, like I said, founded Tennessee and came from Ireland, Scotland and came to the South, like it's, it wasn't just one of those, oh, my great grandparents are from here. This is like, mm-hmm. I am Southern, you know, this is who I am. And, it, you know, they talk about how the ancestors speak to you and how they're there with you. And they were, they, it was because of them that I felt that the sense of community and the, the sense of belonging. How else has knowing your ancestors impacted your sense of identity? I'm a big proponent of DNA testing, of like knowing, and I know the ethnicity estimates aren't hundred percent, but I feel like if you know where your ancestors more or less came from, it kind of it helps you figure out who you are because when I, of course, I have Southern ancestry, so, you know, slaves and, and things like that. So it's not surprising that I have African DNA. 
And I had a cousin reach out to me been about two years ago now on Ancestry DNA. And she's like, you know, I think we're cousins. You know, I'd love to chat or whatever. So we got to chatting and she's African-American and I'm white. So our, I can't remember, like our sixth or seventh time great grandfather, she descended from the slave line. He had relations with the slave. She descends from that line. I descend from the, the white line, basically. But it kind of gives me that sense of that's family now, like when things are going on in the world and we especially came close during, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. And it was just like, this is my family now. This is my identity is wrapped up in hers. I don't understand exactly her life experiences, but I know that that's my family now. And it hits different when like history and things like that happens. It's like, it just becomes more personal and it becomes part of you instead of just being something that happens out in the world. How has learning what your ancestors have gone through their experiences changed how you view your life and live it? It just makes me more aware of other people's life experiences. Like I, it makes your world so much bigger. It's not just you and what happens to you. Like they were, I have, you know, ancestors, they, came to a different world and they had, they took chances and they were adventurous and, you know, they had hard lives. They encountered the ups and downs that we do, but on a different level. And it just makes it to where I break a fingernail. That's not really that big of a deal anymore. When I know that I had ancestors trekking across the mountains, it's just, it kind of puts your life into perspective and um, it just really makes you appreciative of what you have. All the people that came before you is what led for you to be where you are now. And so when you look back, it's like those sacrifices that they made made it possible for me to do the things that I do. So if I do something big, like go to school and, you know, go to college and graduate, you know, that's a big deal because somebody fought for education. They were fighting for the right to go to school and, and things like that. It's just, it makes it, it makes your world so much bigger, I think. So what is a story of one of your ancestors that has done that, that has changed your perspective on how you look at a certain thing or a certain way? It's like on my mom's side. So my mom's mom's father, he was just very, he grew grew up in East Tennessee and of course they were, they went to Eastern, Southeastern Kentucky, which was very poor. He never would his family to feel that poverty. He was very inventive in like the things that he did for his family. And he was very inventive. He was um, a trader. He was a coal miner, but then was also a trader to try to make a little extra and, and not make his, not allow his children to feel that generational poverty that he had. And so it's just when knowing what he did for his family, it just, it changes my perspective on things. It makes me more appreciative of the little things. And to hear the stories that my grandma would say about the things that he would do and trying to think of of one off the top of my head, you know, there was a joke that he invented pay-per-view. He had one, he had set up a TV in the living room and had guys sitting outside the window trying to watch the TV and he would charge them. So they could come watch, I don't know what they were watching on TV, but things like that. So it's like, those being inventive and, and not just accepting where you are in life. Like knowing that he really put forth the effort. He had, I think, a sixth grade education and he would play when we go to trade, he would play. Oh, I'm just the poor old country boy. I don't know. Anybody. He was a very smart man. He wanted to learn and he didn't get the schooling, but he made sure that he knew how the world worked and what was going on in the world. And that was very important to him. So it makes me 
want to further my education because I know I have ancestors that, you know, that was important to them. So it should be important to me too. Mm -hmm. And how have you seen his impact on your, your family? As you look at his children and the generations that come after, how can you see the fruits of his labors? A hundred percent can see it because my grandma was very much one of those people that she always wanted better for her kids. And so that was my mother. And then she, so my mother wanted better for me. And a lot in my great uncle, my grandmother's brother, he was always the inventive one. Like he would come up with schemes and things like that. And it's just, he wanted better for his family. It's just seeing that only because your family has a, whatever is written in, in the, the DNA or whatever, be it being poor or addictions or things like that. It's it is part of your family and it is part of who you are, but it doesn't have to define you who you are. And I think that's what I've seen in generations after him is that you know you were dealt a hand, but you didn't have to accept it. You could write books that you wanted to write, and that's what he did. And so I think that's inspiring for all of us great grandchildren that came after him because his kids did it, and then their kids did it, and now we've we've got that responsibility where this is we have to make the most of it. He did what he did. So we can have the opportunity. Yeah. And just as time goes by, each generation has greater opportunities than the one before, just because technology and science, everything advances. But if you don't have that little bit of let's look how to make things to our advantage and use them to better ourselves, then it doesn't matter how much the world's getting better. If you don't have that example to follow or that one person that says, I'm going to make something better. And then that can snowball throughout the generations. Right. And I mean, it, it's like, it would have been very easy for him to be like, you know what? I'm why try, you know, I've been dealt this. I live in the mountains. I'm a coal miner. This is all I'm ever going to be. But he wanted to be more. He wanted to do better. And which I think is just an aspiration to live up to. You mentioned in before in our correspondence about your seventh grade grandfather of learning about him and the battle and how he died. Can you tell that story and how it impacted you? So this is my seventh great grandfather. His name was Robert Messer. He is from North Carolina. Well, he's, I believe he's from originally from North Carolina. I haven't really pinpointed exactly where he's born, but he was a North Carolina regulator. And I always joke, if you watched Outlander, you know all about that, the regulators, but he was, he wasn't in the battle. He somehow was in, he was a regulator, but didn't fight. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of that, but he was there at the Battle of Alamance in 1771. And after the battle, Governor Tryon came in and, you know, he's wrangled up all the regulators and he hung a bunch of them right then. But I think set apart seven or eight of them to make examples of them. He was going to fight up through town and be like, you know, this is what you get when you go against the crown and this is what's going to happen. Well, the day that they were going to get hung, his wife and his oldest son, who's I think 11 or 12 at the time show up because they're in a panic. You, you can't hang him as anybody would be. Right. And the story goes that his son ran up to him and ran, ran up to governor Tryon and fell to the ground and started begging, do not hang him. You cannot hang my father. My mother will die without him. You have to, you have to save him. Hang me instead, but let my father live. So governor Tryon cuts the deal with Robert Mester and says, okay, if you can go find Herman Husband, who is like the leader of the regulators who escaped after the battle, find him, bring him to me. I'll, I'll let you, 
let you live, let you go. But I'm going to hold your wife and your son here hostage until that happens. So short, long story short, Robert Messer goes off. He finds Herman husband, but he doesn't have enough manpower to bring him back. So he comes back to North Carolina and says, I found him, but I couldn't get him to come. So what now? And Governor Tryon ended up hanging him. He hung him with the other men that he was making an example of. And so that's how Robert Messer died. But what got me is in North Carolina, in Hillsboro, which is just outside of where the Battle of Elements took place, there is a stone in the ground with a wrought iron fence around that says this is the place where the eight regulators were hung and it lists their names on there and standing there i mean i get chills just talking about it standing there like i felt that connection to robert messer it was like he was right there with me and it just made that connection of what i read so much steeper it it was like i guess the ghost of robert messer was there with me Mm -hmm. and i just feel like if you can get out and touch history and touch genealogy and touch where your ancestors were it makes a huge impact and that you know i'm always telling people go tra- go travel if you're on a trip and you know like so-and-so's buried here go visit their gravestone because that experience i want everybody to have because it was just such a profound impact on me and made h- history that happened years and years and years ago real like it was a tangible tangible story at that point so that that story happened about 250 years ago. And some could wonder how something that happened so long ago could actually like matter to you now. I mean, there's so many stories, so many people between now and his story. Why do you think that his story matters to you? I think it's just because he's my relative. He's my grandfather. I mean, it may be seven times, but he is because of him. I am here because of him and his son and then line goes down but because of he came to america or his parents came to america i can stand there so it's that connection yes it's names and dates but the story of his son begging to save his life it's just that's my grandfather regardless just like i look at any cousin you can be fourth cousin five times removed you're still my family. It doesn't matter. At some point we share a little bit of DNA, no matter how big or how small. So it's just, no matter what, that's family. And like I said before, it doesn't matter what color we are. That's my family. So I think it always matters, no matter how far back in history, you know, if you go all the way back to, you know, Mary Queen of Scots or somebody, that's still your family. Maybe it's a little bit different because it's a little bit farther back, but still it's just, you know, it, it matters. I think that's interesting. And that's a perfect example of how learning about your family history can make the world smaller, like you were saying before, is because it does make a difference, even though the connection is so distant, whether it's cousins or a direct line several generations back, it forms a bond with people and circumstances of history that you wouldn't have had otherwise and allows you to see the world differently because it just even though that that strand is so so thin it connects you mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why i encourage younger generations to get into genealogy because i think it makes a more profound impact when you learn about history when you can place somebody in those stories like if you know your civil war ancestor and you place them at this battle it just it makes it more real so if you were 
to give somebody advice that was just starting on their family history journey and just thinking about getting to know their ancestors, what would you tell them? I always tell anybody to start with what you know. Just jot down, even if you just know your parents or your grandparents, start with what you know, because I guarantee you're going to know more than you realize when you start writing it all down. Then after that, ask questions. Find the people in your life that would know the answers, like your grandparents or your great aunts and uncles or even cousins, aunts and uncles, whoever it is. Somebody knows a story about somebody. So start there. And it's just genealogy can be complicated. It can get really, you know, rabbit holes are everywhere. But it doesn't have to be to start off with. Just do a quick search of your grandmother's name in the newspapers because there could be a story there. It's just when you're first starting out, don't bite off more than you can chew. Just start with what you know and then keep building. And before you know it, you'll have this huge tree and you'll be like, oh, hey, look at all my my family members. But yeah, just make it simple. Just make it tangible. And if you had to sum up why you think it's important for someone to research their family history, why it's been important for you to research your family history, what would you say if you had to just sum it up? Identity. It, it helps you to know who you are. I think that's the easiest way. And that's why I encourage people to do it. It's not all old dead people. It's who you are. And those people made you who you are today. And I think that's why we should all know where we come from. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing your stories and your experience. It's been great to talk with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today for Stories in Our Roots. Please help this podcast grow by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends. If you have feedback or would like to recommend someone to share their story, head to storiesinourroots.com and fill out the form. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next week.